Well, good morning, Imago Church. Uh, my name is uh, Greg Gregory Peterson, actually. Uh, I go by Greg, either one. But what's interesting about that fact is there was a time in my life when I didn't know that. Uh, see, my upbringing is a little bit complex. See, I have a biological dad, and for a number of reasons, he uh, didn't get to bestow his last name onto me because of some stupid choices. It's okay. We're in a decent relationship now, but I don't have his last name, Castro, like I should. Uh, I instead have my mom's last name, Peterson. But you see, it gets a little more complicated than that. And if you know me, you know that a little bit about me. And that's the fact that when I was just learning to write my last name, my mom had married my brother's dad. Uh, and so growing up, I was told that I was a Wallace boy. And so I always wrote all my, uh, my, my name always as Gregory Wallace. And so if you look back on my homework or anything that I did from kindergarten to fifth grade, everything says Gregory Wallace. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, unfortunately, they divorced for, again, another uh, number of reasons that uh, we moved uh, as a family to uh, Tulare from Porterville, and it was then that my mom finally told me, hey, you know what, you're getting a bit older, and it probably starts to matter now. You should probably start using your real name. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she said, you should say Gregory Peterson. That's actually your last name. And so it was one of those moments as a sixth grade boy starting to have a already uh, crisis of who am I, what am I supposed to do, what is life all about. All of a sudden, my last name is completely different, freak out moment. Not to mention, I have dyslexia. And so uh, spelling is not your friend. And so there's nothing like the panic that hits you than when the teacher slides you your assignment and at the top of the thing it says name and you say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Peterson is easy enough to sound out. Unless you work at Starbucks, then uh, that's an incredibly hard name to say. And I get gray, I get colors, I get you know all kinds of different signs. I should really make up a different name or just go with Gregory because that's much more easier to sound out, I guess. I don't know. But for whatever reason, uh, that was just my upbringing. That's, the, the funny thing is, is is it didn't really matter to me. Like, I wouldn't say that it dramatically affected me and I had this crisis at six, uh, in the sixth grade, but it was just one of those weird moments that divorce hit my life and then I didn't know what to really do with it. Uh, what was interesting enough is I wasn't, didn't really put a lot of thought of it until I was getting ready to give my last name to someone else, my wife, that I started to really think about what is a last name? Why do we do this weird thing? And what I started to think about was how cool this moment is. See, I had been a part of, uh, I had never really been a part of a Peterson family. See, I was always a Wallace, or there was Clemens, or there was uh, all these other kinds of things going on, but even all of my uh, close family, I was the only Peterson. My brother was a Wallace, my mom was a Clemens, you know, it was, it was kind of all over the place. I was the only Peterson in my household. And so I started to think, man, how cool is this? Because instead of dwelling on how you know, sad that might sound, I get to reestablish what that means. 
my wife and I now get to figure out how to birth into my generation a new style, a new family that has never really existed, I've never really been a part of, one that I hope divorce never gets to touch, one that I hope that we can establish a, a, a fatherhood where I can be a dad that actually is involved with my kid's life, not just on the summers or just every other weekend, but day to day where they can know my voice and know that I love them. Uh, th- I, that's the kind of family that we want to establish. And so for the last 11 years, my wife and I have been working on this new family that we're calling the Petersons and trying to establish what that means. And, and after the last five years, you know, we, we had kids about five years ago and that messed everything up because, you know, you think you figure out life and you have a kid and they're like, nope, we're not following any of those rules. And so we had to reset and figure out what the Peterson household was going to be then. And what's so fun is to sit down with my boy and to say, my boys, and say, this is what it means to be a Peterson. In our household, we pray. In our household, we read the Bible. In our household, we go to church. And those are the things that I want to pass on, those legacy pieces that I want to pass on to my, my family. And what's interesting about our scripture today is I see God doing something very similar in, in the text. I see God taking a two people groups and almost marrying, the, marrying them together to become one new people, one new humanity, in fact, the scripture says, to be something brand new that was so different than anything that's ever existed. And one thing that you'll know when, if you've ever been to a marriage and, or you've been married is the fact that what's supposed to happen is both parties kind of come with their family and their friends and they come together. And the idea is that everyone is witnessing something brand new start to exist. The old person that was there is supposed to start to fade away because we no longer have just our own uh, selfish desires. We're now starting to commit to, to care about this other person as much as we care about ourselves at least. Uh, and, and we start to understand that we are supposed to now start to die to ourselves so that they can get closer to God, uh, especially if you're the man. That's what the Bible says. You die to yourself, in fact. And so Uh, This is the exact same thing that's happening here in the text, is the fact that we're seeing two people group having to leave behind all their traditions, all the things that they used to know, and start to relearn what it means to be a Christ follower, to be God's people now. And so I want to jump into what Paul says. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant, to the promise of the promise without hope and without God in the world. I want to stop there for a moment. There's something that you'll notice throughout the entire scripture, the entire Bible, in fact. And that is the fact that God constantly calls his people to remember. He constantly is going to be using that that term, remember, remember, remember. It starts in the Old Testament. Uh, He he has them at times set up uh, piles of rock and, and to to proclaim what he had done there in that spot. And the idea behind that was so that when you're walking along and whatever, however you're walking along with sheep or family or whatever reason you're walking along and your kid sees that pile of rocks, they would say, Dad, 
what's that about? And you would be able to pass down the legacy of God's story to him. And it was supposed to naturally be a moment of remembrance. And then he also established holidays where they would take time to remember what God had done for his, fam- for his uh, people. Uh, and he had sent his messengers and his prophets and his teachers to, people, to his people so that they could remember who God was. And with all of this, from back then to even today, there's one thing I think we can easily grab a hold of. And that's the fact that we are forgetful people. I think that we so easily forget the things that God tells us. We so easily get distracted by a number of different things. In fact, I I would say that maybe today we might be more distracted than ever in our history because every moment we can get a notification, we can get a text, we can get an email, and all these things vibrate on us depending on how many gadgets you have, you know, on your pocket, on your wrist, you know, maybe you got something in your ears, you know, there's just so many ways that the world will just distract distract you. But the truth is, is God is constantly shouting out us, remember, remember. And he's calling his people to active remembrance, to active remembrance. You know, you can find that ability to have active remembrance here on a Sunday. That's why we get together. It's, it's a way for us to actively remember who God is and who we are in light of him. On Tuesdays as well, whether you're in the prayer group or you're in the study group or uh, the youth group, those are all moments for you to actively remember again who God is and who you are in light of him. And God is constantly calling us every day to dive into his word, to pray, and to actively remember. This is a part of what we get to do as his people. Remember who he is. But Paul is calling the Gentile people to a bit more of a a different style of remembrance as well. He's saying, remember who you were before Christ. Now, why would he say that? Why would he want them to do that? Well, I kind of was reading that and I was thinking about the fact that there are times when God has called me to do that as well. And uh, to be honest with you, it's usually not because I'm like getting real close to him and doing exactly what I'm supposed to. Maybe I'm the only one who does this, but uh, there are times in my life where I can get real judgy, where I can start to look at people and be like, I'm not that bad. (laughs) You know, I'm no Jesus, but come on, like, I think I'm a little closer to walking on water than they are, right? (laughs) Maybe you don't actually say that because you're a better human being than me and you're judging me right now. I know, it's okay. But usually that kind of, at least for me, that especially happens when uh, family gatherings, you know, like my brothers, my sisters, my cousins, you know, someone in that family does something and you're like, "Mm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then all of a sudden I have this dialogue with Christ. I'll have this dialogue and it comes pretty fast where all of a sudden it's like God says, oh, really, Greg? You think you're so great. Let's just rewind the tape a little bit and remember your first 19 years of your life and the decisions you were making then. And then we have about a two-minute conversation about how life was going then, and I quickly changed my tune. And I'm like, you're right, God. The only reason that I'm worth anything is because of your blood, because of your work, and because of your power, and not because of me. So I don't judge that person. In fact, I would be twice the mess they are if I, I was left to myself. Now, God does that not to shame us, because I think sometimes we can get there and we can think, oh, yeah, I'm just a mess, I'm still a screw-up, man, look at me. 
But God doesn't do that. He doesn't bring up our past to shame us. He, he brings up our past so that we can worship. Because that's what it should lead us to. When we remember who we were before Christ, man, that should just lead us to that moment of just being like, praise God, I thank you so much that everything good in my life is you. Everything great about what I get to experience is, has your fingerprints all over it, God. And I thank you that you chose to do this in my life. So I worship you. And I love that. So here's what I want us to, to jump into, because maybe you've been catching this. Pastor Carlos has been sharing this a couple of weeks now about why. Why do we have this remembrance? So I'm just going to read one more verse. It says, but now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Man, I love that. But God. But God. Man, that life-altering Crazy, world-changing two words, but God. See, maybe you, your, your but God life story is the fact that you were addicted to something. You were an addict in some way, but God has set you free. Maybe you come from a broken home like I do, and just it's torn your life apart, but God has started to create something new within your life, a new legacy for you to pass down to your children. Maybe you have been experiencing uh, depression and anxiety in your life, but God is coming in to give you freedom and a new hope and a new joy that you can experience in him. This is is the but God stories that we have. And to be honest, everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus, who understands that he has died for your sins, has a but God story. And I think we as a church need to get better at sharing our but God stories. I mean, we had two today, right? How amazing to hear what God's doing, to say, I, I just, life was going this way, but God has been teaching me in this prayer uh, class, and, and I've been connecting with him Wow, we need to get better at sharing our but God stories. And you know, maybe you're sitting here and this is your first time coming today. And you're like, Greg, I don't even know what but God story you're talking about. I invite you to just get connected. Whoever you talked about your comfort food with, I invite you to talk to them about their but God story. Because they're all over the place. Because God is active. He's doing his thing. And he's not like he's sitting on the side like, I'll help that one. I'll help that one. That's it. I'm tired. No, he, he's working 24-7. And so I invite you, ask people around you, like, hey, let's grab some coffee. I'd love to hear your but God story. I'd love to hear what God's doing in your life. And so I invite you to, to, to share that and, and to either share it or receive it. E either one is a massive blessing. And this is what Paul continues to do or say. He says, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier and dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law of his commands and regulations. So what, what scholars believe Paul is talking about here, the, like the image he's using and referencing, is actually uh, the temple. 
And so we have a picture of it that I want to put up. And so the, the idea behind what he's, he's saying here is this temple had many different uh, courtyards. And so you can kind of see in the back there's the priestly courtyard. And that's where the priests would be. That's where sacrifices would have happened. And this is like pretty much as close as most of the humans would get. This is as close to God as we would get. And if you look there real close inside the building, I think it's number two where the two is. That's where the holies of holies is. That's where God's dwelling was. And then outside of the priestly courtyard, you'll see the women's courtyard. And outside of the women's courtyard, you'll see the Gentiles' courtyard. And now maybe you remember that. That's where Jesus was flipping tables and by one account made a whip and went crazy. Uh, that's, that's where that was happening. That's where the market was outside of the temple. And that's as close as the Gentile people could get to God. Look at wall after wall after wall. That's what Paul's talking about, is there's this, there, was this, there was these barriers between us and God, the Gentile people, the people who weren't part of God's uh, first legacy that he was sharing. But he says it's all changed now. But Jesus has come. But Jesus has died for our sins. He has made a new way for us to access him. And now it's no longer about us going to a temple where we get to uh, go and stand on the outside of the perimeter. No, instead, there is no walls between us and God anymore. And in fact, what we start to realize is those walls were just symbols God was not trying to keep himself away from us. This is just simply as close as he could allow us to get to him. This is him trying to interact with us. But because of our sins, we had to be separated from him. Because he is holy and we are not. And this is as close as he could get. And this is what Jesus ended up doing. He says uh, his purpose was to create in him one new humanity out of the two. Thus making peace in one body. To reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now what you maybe are seeing is the fact that at the temple... No matter where they were, whether they were in the, the priestly court, whether they were in the women's court, whether they were in the Gentile, none of them were where God was. None of them were that close to him. All of them had barriers between God and them, which represents our sin. But because of Jesus, because of his work, all of those things went away. He tore down every brick of sin in our lives. He, he forgave everything that we have done from past, present to future sins that we haven't even committed, that he knows that we will do, but yet still chose us. He chose to tear down those walls and say, I want access to you. So no longer is it a building that we go to, but it's simply understanding that he lives within his people and speaks directly to our souls and ministers to us. That's how close he is to us now. That's the relationship that he has with us now. What a wonderful, beautiful gift that he's given us. And I think sometimes we look at that and we think, man, wouldn't that be great to have that? To have this place where we know God's dwelling is? 
And I think that when we die and we go to heaven, I think we shouldn't be surprised when we go to Moses and we say, how, how crazy was it when God just met with you and dwelled with you in the tent? How crazy was it when you did this, Elijah? How crazy was it when this happened? And he's gonna, they're going to come back to us and say, how crazy was it that you just dwelled with the Holy Spirit inside you all the time? You always had access to him. How crazy was that? And I think some of us are going to forget the access that we have today. You know, the scripture says that the, the prophets and the teachers beforehand, they dreamt of what we have now. They were hopeful for what we have today. So I think it's important for us to remember the blessing of what God has given us. He dwells with us today. So God is, is building together this, I love this phrase, one new humanity. And what is that all about? It's this one new people group who come together because of one simple thing. Because Jesus died on the cross for us. And we understand that that is our greatest need. That that is our greatest need met, in fact. And I think that sometimes we can get it twisted. Because we think, oh, well, we should gather together based upon, you know, our 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 color of our skin, or our political views, or because of, uh, of the language that we speak, or that we have all these reasons why we want to just section ourselves off sometimes. God says, you know, my people, my new humanity, none of that will matter. It won't matter the color of your skin. It won't matter what language you speak. It won't matter what gender you are. It won't matter any of those things. What matters most is that you call upon my name, and that's where I will be. Those will be my people. That's where God wants to have his name shown. Paul puts it this way, Consequently, there is no longer foreigners and strangers for fellow uh, citizens with God's... Uh, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and raised to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. Man, not only is God bringing us into the kingdom of God as his citizens, but he also enfolds us into his family legacy. We are not people who just get to kind of come in and we're just servants, although we are called his servants, but he also calls us his sons and daughters. That's the, the, the rights that he gives us. That's how close he is to us how familiar he is with us. That's how much he loves us. That kind of relationship where he wants to hear your dreams, your ambitions. He wants to share those with you. He's close to you. That's why I think I, I just, I love so much Imago's vision. To be a gospel-centered, multicultural community where hope is built through restored relationships. That vision statement encompasses exactly this new humanity that he's building. And I just love that so much. Because what we're saying is we are going to be a people who are focused on God's word. To allow it to shape our hearts and our minds and allow it to develop a new community of who we are. And as a family, 
We are going to be loving whoever comes in. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your past. If you want to praise Jesus with us, amen, come on in. And we want to get to know you and we want to get to love you and share with you in life because we believe that through those relationships, God's love will prevail. And we just appreciate the fact that God is doing a massive work here at Imago. And through those relationships, you're going to see some amazing things happen. You know, Jesus, uh, in his time, he, he said that uh, a new commandment he was giving his disciples. And, and this is in John 13, 34 through 35. He says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, as if, uh, if you love one another. He says, the love that you share with one another is going to prove to everybody that he exists. It's going to prove to the fact that he really did come down from heaven. He really did die for our sins. And he really did raise from the dead. The love that you share, not just simply the, the other reasons you gather, because of the love you share with one another. And that's what people are going to be drawn to. When people start to see that and they feel that around you, they're going to be like, man, what is that? Because God has made a hunger in every heart of humans that says, I need God. I need that. Something, something you have, I need that. So allow me to understand and hear your but God's story. And let me understand who this God is and let him transform my life too. Because it's only when we connect ourselves to God that we can finally find that fulfillment in Jesus in our lives. So, here's my question. How are you connecting to this body of believers? How are you coming in? How are you, how are you establishing and sharing God's love that he gives us? Because each one of us comes in with our own blessing and, let's be honest, our own baggage, right? We all come in with some things that we want to give and some things that we don't know if we want to really allow anyone else to see. But the truth is, is being a part of God's family and being a part of any family, right, is that you deal with both of those. You know, I, it doesn't matter where you're, you are, you know, if you're my brother, you're my sister. I understand there's just blessings that I get from my family. There's baggage as well. And we deal with that because we love each other. And as Christ's family here, we understand that we get both of those as well. And we miss people's blessings when they're not here on a Sunday. When you miss a Sunday, it's not just like, oh, well, there was an empty seat. It's like, no, we miss the blessing that you're bringing to our community. And we, we miss you. It's not just simply we need numbers. It's we need your blessing. And so you are missed. And so... Here, here, I want to actually invite the worship team forward because I, I, I was kind of praying about, you know, what does this look like, God? Truly, what is this kind of thing? What can it look like? And God just kind of gave me this picture of, of what it, it looks like when, when we start to share our love with one another. When we start to share uh, in a community of believers the blessings that he has poured into us. Because it's never that we share out of, our, uh, out of the blessings of God. Like God pours into our hearts and we share that with somebody. God pours into our hearts and then we share that with somebody. And these things could be all kinds of different things. It could be a words of affirmation. It could be a prayer for somebody. It could be a gift. It could be just simply uh, your presence. 
But I think when it starts, it's almost like a piano note. And when it happens, people take notice. They, they kind of hear it. And it kind of starts to create a hunger within them that says, man, I, I want that. And so they, they commit to God, and all of a sudden there's two people sharing God's love with one another. And then it grows again to four people sharing God's love with one another. And people start to take notice. They say, what is that beautiful set? What is that? Who, what is making that noise? What is creating this love? What is this hunger that inside me that I didn't realize I was trying to fill with other things? But, and all of a sudden, they, they grow to eight. And all of a sudden, a whole church is coming together and starting to sing the worship of God and his praise and share in the blessings of he, all he has for his people. And it's like a whole song of God's love is being sung to his people in his community. And it is that love that starts to transform his community. His, his, all of Visalia starts to take notice because people are loving each other that should have never loved each other. People are gathering together that have no business gathering together. What are you doing on a Sunday? I'm praising God and loving my brothers and sisters. So here's my question, Imago. What's your part? What blessing do you have to share with somebody today or this week? Don't leave here and just say, well, that was weird. But understand that God has something that he wants to do with you. So I, I, here's my challenge. Through this next song that we're going to sing together, be praying, God, what do you have that you've given me to share with somebody? What blessing have you given me that I can share with somebody? Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's a word of affirmation. Maybe it's just simply uh, being listening to somebody. Maybe it is a gift. Maybe it, whatever it is. I'm, let the Holy Spirit tell you what it is. Because he loves to work. And he loves to work through his people. So I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to sing together. God, I thank you so much that... You use us imperfect people to sing your praise songs. That we can sound like a beautiful sound of your love to this world. And that it would shout to the mountains, we love God and we praise you, Lord Jesus, that you are the reason that we are here. You have died on the cross. You have rose from the dead. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. And we believe you are transforming us to be a new humanity. You are doing a good work here. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.